Welcome to Parkview, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy to invite my friend Naeem to speak for you today. Naeem Fazal, uh, the author of a book that's come out since he was here last year, Ex-Muslim, How One Daring Prayer Changed a Life Forever. Uh, this is a cool story. When I first heard Naeem speak two years ago, I went up and immediately said, dude, I got to have you come to Parkview because the story is unique. He's, he's a great communicator, obviously a very beautiful man, but, but, but the story is so unique. And I love doing it right now because it's, it's right before we celebrate the Christmas season. And the story that Naeem is going to tell you is, is about a supernatural encounter with Jesus. And the whole Christmas story is about supernatural encounters, you know, with God. And so I, I'm excited for him to come and kind of get us ready for the fact that um, maybe every once in a while, um, God can do stuff that we just don't really even fully understand. Will you welcome my friend Naeem? Well, hello. Hello, Parkview. How are you guys doing? Awesome. And hello, Lockport, right? Hello. Can you guys say hello to them? Hey, guys. Awesome. Hey, let me ask you this really quick, really quick. I don't know if it was just me, but did you feel really awkward when he said that I was a beautiful man? I mean, I, I, I don't know what. I, it just threw me off, seriously. So seriously, I was all in, like ready to get, you know, ready to hear from God, share with you guys. And then what? What? Man, he's a great guy, though. Don't you love your pastor? Hi, don't you? Super family. Super family. Well, I am, I'm glad to be back. Those of you uh, who don't know who I am, uh, I'm, I am Naeem Fazel. But I, I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you were here when I was uh, here last time? Anybody? Oh, wow. That's awesome. I'm so glad you guys came back. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, well for all the rest of you, um, I'm actually known as the scroll guy as well. The scroll guy. This guy. See, is he, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are thinking, what, what, what? Yeah, see, I can't say scroll. I can't do it. And so last time, if you guys remember, I went, went on and on about how, how to say this word scroll, and I can't say it. I just kept on... There was an issue about scrolls in our apartment, and I tried to explain to someone anyways, anyways. But recently, I've realized there are several words I can't say. There, there are more. This one is another one that I've, I've, I've kind of hard, really hard time. What, what is that? Fennel? Fennel. 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 Fennel? Did I say it? I said it, right? Whatever, man. I think I said it. I think I said it. Fennel, fennel. Anyway, anywho, anywho. Okay. The problem is, is I'm, this English is my second language, and that's part of the issue. Okay. So I was born in the desert. Obviously, you guys could see by the videos walking around the desert forever. Finally made my way here. But uh, and by the way, uh, you're welcome for the weather, because I'm from the Middle East and I brought the heat with me. So yes, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's exciting. It's so, it is so good to be with you guys, though. Uh, but the word that I really want to talk about um, this evening or uh, this weekend is this word right here. Anybody can say this word? I can say this word. Anybody, anybody know this word? Fear. Anybody can feel this word? Fear. Fear. I want to talk about the word fear, and then I want to teach you another word, which is a different language. It's in Greek. 
which I think all of us should, uh, should learn, okay? This word has the ability, uh, I believe, to really impact our lives in a profound way. In fact, I think that if we understand it, and we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, this, uh, this weekend, it, once you understand this word, it's going to radically change you. And this is the word right here. It is the word teleyu. Can you, guys, uh, can you guys do this? Let's do it all together with the campus as well. Teleyu. One more time. Teleyu. Teleyu. What does that word really mean? Well, before we get into that, what we're going to get into is this idea of the, the reality that you and I live in. What, what does that mean? That means you and I live in, uh, in a reality, right? Your life is a reality. And uh, the question really is, are you living the life you're created to live? I mean, I know you're living a certain kind of life, but isn't it true, though, that there's a life that we want to live, and then there's a life we're living? right? There's a life you want to live. I mean, how many of you would say, you know, there is a life out there that I really want to live. Have you ever looked at someone else's life, maybe someone else's stuff, and said, I want that? Right? Like, I want to live that way. Have you ever been on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and you're like, I want to live this life. I'm living the wrong life here, right? You look around and go, I would love to drive that, and I would love to date that, and then you date that, and you're like, I want to send that back, right? <laughs> send it back. Oh, my gosh. But there is, there is this reality that we live in, the, the life we want to live and the life that we were created to live. I wonder how many of us are living the life you were created to live. Because you know more than anybody else the life you're living right now. But as a teenager... Are you, are, you, are, you in the direct, are you moving into the direction where you will end up stepping into the person you were meant to become? As a college student or as a single adult or as a married adult, or if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and better, are you living the life you were created to live? And if, if you're not, and maybe, maybe there is a life out there you were meant to live, how do you and I tap into that? How do we do that? Well, this morning, I, uh, let's, this evening, I want to dive into that. But I'd love for us to pray because I believe that, that for some of us, God's going to speak to you, and you never even thought he could or would, but he will. And I believe that, that maybe, just maybe, uh, hearing from him will radically change your life. So let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you that what we're doing here is real. Your presence is real. The stuff that you've written in the scriptures is real. This, this whole thing is real. It's not us just, just gathering together and putting on a show and putting on a service. You're real, and everything about you is real. So, Holy Spirit, would you come in right now and fill every space here, every space in every soul, every crevice in every heart. Would you speak? Would you allow people even now to know and feel as they're watching that you have just come and sat next to them? And I pray you will give us the grace to hear your words and not mine because you have the words of life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So what causes us, what allows us, what frees us 
to live the life you were created to live. I think if you and I are going to have a discussion about that, the one thing that you and I have to come on terms with is that the biggest thing that comes against us is the word fear. I don't know about you, but fear has played a huge part in my life. Now, God's pursued me with this with, with, with his presence and his love, but fear has played a huge part in my life. You know, I am overwhelmed with, the, the, with gratitude that I get to come here again uh, this year with, uh, with a book sharing all of what God has done. This book, Ex-Muslim, don't you love the title? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be me, <laughs> but... This, this book is filled with not just my story, but the story of my brother and my, my sisters and my other brothers, stories of, of Muslims and Buddhists and, and even Baptists uh, coming to Christ. It's been amazing. That was a joke there. It was a joke. It was a joke. Baptists are, are good people, uh, especially the humans. They're the best. But anyways, this, this, this book is really about how God has radically shaped my life and, and it caused a guy who grew up in the deserts of Kuwait to uh, lead an amazing community called Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I've seen God done some amazing things. I mean, he started in 1992. I shared the story last time with you, and it's also in the book how, how I got attacked supernaturally. And you've got, I mean, it was, it was sci-fi, if you guys remember this. If you don't, it's kind of crazy. I can't really get into it. Um, but the, 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 how it ended up with Jesus was in my room, revealed himself to me, and told me that my life was not my own. And then began to do radical, supernatural things and cause my whole family to turn, uh, to, turn to him. Mom and dad, my, my Muslim parents, are still, are, still, are still Muslim. And it's been crazy to see how God has navigated our, uh, our lives and done so many amazing, amazing things but I have to tell you that in this book is a confession of, of fear in my life. Because it's, it's, it also, uh, I, every time people remind me of the title of the book, I'm like, oh, thanks again, thanks again. Yes. But see, the fear that I wrestle with is a different kind of fear. I, I, it's, it's a fear of, of failure. Have you, anybody wrestled with that? Anybody? Yeah. All the courageous ones, ones went up. The hands went up. Yeah. You know, I think that most of us fear either to the failure or the future. We either fear the future because we look at the, the, at, at the year that has passed and we think there's no way, there's just no way that uh, 2015 is going to get better. Like you, you think of, of, the, of the, the, the situation you're in and you go, it, is, it's, 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 it can't be fixed. And, and I don't even know if I have the power or the will or the patience to fix it. Like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Some of us are looking at the future and you're going, I'm going to 2015 with the same addiction. I'm going in 2015 with the same person that I was. And deep down, I would never tell anybody this, but I hate who I am. And some of you teenagers are thinking, you know what? The future is terrible because my present is horrible. And you, and you fear the future. And because of that, you're paralyzed and you're not going to be able to step into the person you were created to be because you're consumed with that. And others of us, we've taken failure, and even though there were events in our lives that things, things that relationship flopped in a, in a, in a, 
business flop. We, we take these failures, but now these failures are not events anymore. They are our identity. We are a failure. We've taken it on as our identity. But it's not. It's not a, it's not a person. It's an event. But we've taken this on, and it plays itself out because we're either so sad or we're so angry Because we've reached a point in our lives where we wonder if it could ever change and we realize, you know what, I've stopped pretending I know that I am a failure. And the problem is, is when you take fear and the way it shows itself in different arenas in our life and in different ways through anxiety and anger and rage, it consumes us and then it paralyzes us and then it hinders us. It takes off all the life and all the, the strength from us that we can never, ever be able to be the person we were created to be. And we live lives just walking around trying to figure it out. And if you're a single adult, you just try to figure out uh, if you could find someone who could fix it. Fix it. And that's why I believe God pursues us with a very, very different kind of love Because God is convinced about this word. Can we put that word up? It's the Greek word, teleiu. Teleiu is a word that means finished, perfected. It's a word that says it cannot evolve anymore. Let me read you a passage of scripture. This should bother you in a very, very good way. Jeremiah It says, I have loved you with an, can you help me out? An everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness, a kindness that never quits. He says, I've I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. The question is, do we believe that? And how important is that? God loves us with a tele you love. Let me read you a couple of passages from 1 John. 1 John 4, if you want to mark this in your scriptures, it says this, God is love and all who live in love live in God. He's saying that that God is this love, this tele you love, and and, and, and when, when we have this love inside of us, we in fact live in God and he lives inside of us. And he, he goes on and says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Such love has no fear because perfect love, teleu love, expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is because of fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Let me explain perfect love to you. See, my love grows your love is a growing love. For example, how many of you like sushi? Any of you love sushi? Okay, sushi lovers, right? Make some noise if you love sushi. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you, do you think you, think, you, think you found the perfect role or you think there's something else out there? Right? How many of you think there's something else out there? And that, you're, yeah, yeah, you're like, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. You know why? Because you believe that your love for sushi, sushi will grow. How about guacamole? Any guacamole fans? Love me some guacamole. I am looking for the perfect guacamole. I am. Every time I go to, I'm looking for guacamole. I really am. Because you know what? I think my love for guacamole will grow. 
It will keep growing and growing and growing until I find the best one and then until I find the next best one. My love grows. Your love grows. Let's take it personal. My love for my wife grows. I know that when I look at her 10 years from now, I'm going to go look at her and go, you know what? I think I love you more. I think I love you more. My kids, my kids, I've got an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old or an 8-year-old, I should say. Yeah, so two of them, I love them. I think I'm going to love them more. I think I might take a break when they're teenagers. Might not. I don't know. But I'm just kidding. But I think that I'm going to love them more. You know this because you talk like this. You, 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 you look at the person who you love or you're dating, you're like, man, I just love you. I think I love you more than yesterday. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, I don't do that, but some of you guys do. You, you do that, right? You know why? Because your love grows. Your love is a growing love. It evolves. And it can also decay. Like you and I know that there are people you've loved and now you can't stand. You know there are people you've given your heart to and they broke your heart. They betrayed you. You know you've given your affection, attention, and trust to people and they've destroyed it. Why? Because we can actually do something in the context of relationships that will kill our love. I can do something horrible and then destroy my relationship with my wife. We all know we can do that. And the reason is, is because our, since our love is growing, it's based on performance. It's always been based on performance, and unfortunately, it always will be based on performance. Because I know how to stop Ashley, my wife, from loving me. Because I can do certain things. Because my love evolves. God's love, teleyu love, is not based on performance at all. It's perfected. It cannot grow any longer. It can't anymore. God can't look at you and go, you know what? I think I love you more. Not going to happen. He, he can't do it. It's, it's perfected. He cannot love you more, and he chooses not to love you less. There is no, there's nothing you can do. So you can't do anything, and then he goes, you know what? I don't think I love you anymore. It's, 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 it's tele you love. It's perfected. It's nothing that you and I have, will experience from any other human. And that's why God himself was so convinced that his son, Jesus, needed to know this before he did anything else. If you don't believe me, let's go, let's, let's, let's just, Let's go to a passage, and, and I want to read you something which is so profound. This is the, the passage of, is basically around the story, and the story is that Jesus is going to get baptized. Okay, now I think most of us might know that Jesus got baptized. Some of us are thinking, "What? Why did he get baptized?" I don't know fully why, but I do know what happened. Basically, John was baptizing people. Jesus shows up and says, "Hey, I want to get baptized," and John's like, "What?" I mean, well, he didn't do, he didn't say that, but he said. No way. And Jesus was like, Yahweh. <laughs> I know, it was bad. I know, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't. It's like, it's just. Okay, anyways. So, so, so anyways, the point is, Jesus got dunked that day, right? He goes down. John's like, oh my goodness, I'm baptizing Jesus. Selfie. I mean, I'm, probably happened, probably happened. Okay, you weren't there. You don't know. So, 
so Jesus gets out of the water, and I don't know if you know this, but I mean, a lot of things happened. I mean, there's this thing about the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. I think there was a dove there. There was probably haze. The band was there. I mean, there was a lot of things going on. It was a, a pretty epic moment, right? But there's one thing we know for a fact that took place, and that is there's a voice from heaven, and it said something. And so here's what the voice said. Luke writes this, writes this down, and it said, A voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Now, now, okay. Uh, up to this point, Jesus hadn't done jack. Just telling you. He, I mean, there was a the whole wine water thing. But up to this point, Jesus hasn't even gone to get tem tempted. He hasn't given his life for the world, or he hasn't given, there's been no suffering. Nothing has happened. In the, prayer, in, in the message translation, the same passage of Scripture reads like this. You are my son, help me out with this, chosen and what? Can we say that again? Marked by my love. And what? The pride of my life. God himself has to remind Jesus, son of God, hey, just want you to know, you are my son. What do you think, what do you think Jesus is saying? Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, could you, could you imagine God is like, hey, 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 hey. You're my son. I know. Just, just, just. You're chosen. Oh, I know. You're marked by my love. Okay. You're the pride of my life. Okay, come on now. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. I didn't, I didn't give my life for the world yet. I haven't drank the cup that I'm supposed to drink of suffering. I haven't done anything. And God says, shh, hey, Jesus, you're my dearly loved son. You're my dearly loved son. I, I, I love, I, I, can we go back to the next, uh, the, yeah. It says, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus, again, let me just, can I state that again? Hasn't done anything. You see, the reason why I am so flabbergasted by that whole statement is because, to me, if I was God, which is weird, um, you know, I would wait till he gets, goes through the 40 days and 40 nights, kind of like the fasting, and then I would wait till he gets you know, tempted by Satan, and he resists temptation, and then I would be like, high five, you rock, you're my son. Then after that, I'd be like, hey, check it out. Let me tell you what he just did. I don't know if I would have done it there. He comes out of the water. Jesus didn't even baptize himself. I mean, Jesus comes out of the water. And God's like, hey, psst, psst, what? I love you. Okay. No, I love you. You bring, me, you bring me great joy. I haven't done anything. But I love you. I haven't done anything. You're the pride of my life. 
but I haven't done anything. Shut up. <laughs> you bring me great joy. Okay, let me ask you something. What would have happened if your parents and if my parents would have just told me or told you before you did anything, I love you. You bring me great joy. I haven't done anything. So? You bring me great joy. But I haven't done anything. You bring me great joy. See, the problem is, I'm like you. What I've heard is, I've heard dad say, make me proud. Because where you are right now is not good enough. Make us proud. Could you imagine what would happen if you knew you were unconditionally loved? It would radically change everything about you. That's why Jesus is told by his dad before he does anything else, you, you are my son. You are my son. You are chosen. You are marked by my love. You are marked by nothing else but my love. You are the pride of my life. And the reason why God tells Jesus before, because he knows that right afterwards, he's going to get tempted by Satan himself. And he knows that the only thing, the only thing ever that's going to help anybody who's even remotely human is the knowledge that God loves them unconditionally. Because when you know that, you, you will have the power to resist the temptation to be anything else than what you were created to be. That you could resist any temptation, any insecurity, any longing, any need, any hunger, if you just knew and so God goes, stop, everybody stop. Psst, Jesus, I want you to know this because what you're about to do, what you're about to do, you need to know this. And see, so many of us, even as, as Christians at times, and if you are one, you struggle with this performance things, don't you? You struggle with the idea that I have to prove my, my love to, to, I have to prove, I have to prove it. But I, I still have to prove it. I mean, I get this Jesus thing, but I have to prove it, I have to prove it, I have to prove it. And let me tell you, when you try to prove your love to God, you know what that is? That is religion. Every religion, regardless of what you call it, is basically a set of things to, to make sure that humanity can prove that they deserve heaven, or they, um, proof, they, they, they can have proof that they love God. So every religion does that. And that's why Jesus is the opposite, because Jesus exists to prove God loves you. That's the only reason he existed, is to prove that, he, that God loves you. And regardless of your failure, and regardless of your past, and in fact, regardless of your present, you are marked by his love. You are the pride of his life. And I know you don't believe it because that is supernatural. 
that is like everything inside of you says there is no way. It can't be true. You have no idea. You have no idea. I remember feeling overwhelmed by God's love. Um, it, was, it was late night. I had stayed up um, for hours because I was tormented by what I had just done. You see, hours before that, I was in a, in a, um, in a diner w- with my brother and uh, with another uh, guy that we were, we, I was sharing Jesus to. He was a Hindu guy. We were in college back then, and I had recently come to faith in Jesus. I had this supernatural experience, and God was in me, and all that, all that good stuff, you know. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and my brother's uh, uh, right next to me, and this, 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 this Hindu uh, Indian guy is there. He's a good, good friend, and we're debating about, you know, why Jesus is real. And, and so, um, uh, in walks this guy who is, looks kind of Arab and, and he's walking around. I've seen him around campus before and he walks up to our table and, and uh, he goes, hey, and he introduces himself and I introduce myself and he goes, hey, so what are you, where are you from? And it's kind of like this cultural thing. We're like, oh yeah, we're both immigrants and or, you know, we're, we have a lot of similar things in common and so he shares his name and what he does and all that. And then he goes, oh, so uh, you're Muslim, right? And I don't even think, and I go, yeah, yeah. And then when I say it, this Hindu friend of mine looks at me and goes, yeah. And I, I just panic. I panic. And I go, yeah. Uh, and so then he, the, this Arab guy looks at, uh, points at my necklace, and at that time I was wearing a cross, and he goes, what's that? And here's what I said. Oh, it's just fashion. Just fashion. And after I said that, I couldn't believe what I said. And then he said, Oh, okay, well, I'll see you later. And that was a quiet dinner because I couldn't believe what I just did. And that night, I was tormented so much about the reality that I had denied the one who loves me so much, the one I talk about all the time. And you know, there are certain things in our life, certain moments in our life that we do things and we're not proud of them. Have you had that moment? The only thing is, is that um, that was probably one of the worst moments in my life. The good thing is God does not define me by my worst moments. In fact, he doesn't even define me by my best moments. God defines me by his love for me. And so if you're a... If you think you're a failure and if you think the future is scary, I need you to know something. There is a God who loves you so much, who's in the future and who is with you in the failure. And even though you were not at your best, God still believes in the best in you. You know why? Because he loves you with a stupid love. You know what that love is? You, you, want, you want to know what that love is? It's that word right there, right? Can you put that word up again? It's that word, teleu. It's finished. It's finished. So tonight I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would be radically infected by that love. 
Because for some of you, that's the only, the only answer for what you're going through. And for some of you, it is the thing that needs to consume you. Because if you don't love, let God's love consume you, fear will consume you. But if you allow God's love to capture you, it will in turn set you free. It will in turn give you the power to resist anything and everything that wants you to become less than you, what you were created to be. Can I pray for you guys? Lord God, thank you so much for this moment. God, I thank you for um, just the people, Lord God, as, 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 as they're in this room and in the other room. They're in, it doesn't matter where we are. What matters is that, that your presence is with us in this moment. And God, there are people here that are listening to, to me and they're, they, they don't know what to do because they want to believe, desperately want to believe because they know their pain and they know their suffering and they know everything in their life that's not going well. And God, I ask you right now, would you supernaturally move where they are and would you hug their soul? God, for the person who thinks you do not exist and does not believe in you, would you in this moment speak to them and whisper, but I believe in you. God, would you consume us with your love and, you would, and would you set us free to become the people we were meant to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.